What's up, everyone? Uh, I'm actually really sad today. Your boy got ghosted. <laughs> oh, man. Can you guys relate as a photographer or videographer trying to reach out to a potential client or a brand reaches out to you and then you get ghosted? We're going to unpack those things in this episode. Ed, what do you think? Psych. I ain't even sad about getting ghosted because like Paul just said, we're about to go over some fire tips on how we overcome this struggle. Yeah. So <laughs> let's roll intro music, baby. Bro, being ghosted sucks. And you and me both know the power of social media with leads, like lead generation, um, especially when you're trying to build that client roster. What do you think, you know, what do you think the first thing that comes to mind is when you think of getting ghosted? Because I know that there's been photographers and videographers that listen actively to the Mid Convo podcast and they'll reach out to us saying, hey, what do you do when you're in conversation with a brand or you're trying to reach out to a brand and they leave you on red. Yeah, you already know. You get that Instagram where it says seen and you're like, oh. dang, they didn't even hit me back <laughs> with the response though. That's tough. Honestly, I feel like this is a great topic because like you just said, there's a lot of creatives that listen to this podcast. A common thing that we always both see is people have great skills, great talent, but then they just get ghosted. Like clients just don't respond back to them when they inquire. So um, mm -hmm. we wanted to cover three things that... Uh, happen when getting like how to avoid getting ghosted basically and then we're also going to provide maybe some solutions for how you can overcome those things and then some overarching things that we feel like will improve your overall process when bringing on clients yep we've broken it down into three sections dms pricing and presentation so let's go into dms a little bit right well, paul share some experience on getting ghosted in the dms and yeah. why that happens a lot of people everyone can relate to hitting up a brand on instagram and then just crickets like no mm -hmm. no response yeah so i've been i you know I, i've literally gotten ghosted probably hundreds of times from brands and people over instagram and that's okay but one thing that i've learned in that is instagram is always changing and also there's a lot of spam and noise on social media so when you're reaching out to a brand over dm in a cold way or a, a way of outreach that's cold and not a warm lead, um, you gotta do something that stands out, right? Because there's always gonna be someone that's, you know, louder than you are or is easier to find online, if you will. So I think when it comes to rolling into a brand's DM, first thing that comes to mind is don't use a template email, do something that's customized to them as a company. Uh, otherwise it's gonna show up in their spam. And then also, Think of something that's going to like capture their attention and be memorable. For me, Ed knows this. I love sending voice memos. Um, I already know that these brands that I'm reaching out to and that I have reached out to are getting so many DMs, you know, customer complaints, photographers that are doing the same thing that I'm doing. So what can you do to stand out against the noise? Yeah, honestly, just quick side note. I just got to say, you guys don't know this. Paul sends the best voice memos. If I could send, if I could save all of Paul's voice memos, this man has texted yes. me. It would be amazing like, as a sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you, I'll give you a quick example for the pod here. Um, there was a brand two years ago that I reached out to. Uh, they have a fitness product that's at Target. And I bought the product and I'm like, all right, what am I going to do to stand out? <laughs> I literally shot a selfie video. 
of me holding the product and I'm like, hey, I just got back from Target. I can't tell you how nice it is that your water bottle does X, Y, and Z because your competitors don't. I'm based out of Minnesota. I'd love to work with you. I'm a health, wellness, and fitness photographer. I can shoot photo. I can shoot video. Let's hop on a call. I sent that video to them in a DM. I got a message back immediately with their marketing contact. And then I brought it to email and we hopped on a Zoom call. So I don't think I would have gotten that response if I would have just sent them a template email like, hey, my name is Paul, based out of Minnesota. Um, I just found you guys on Instagram and your product looks nice. And you hop on a call, here's my rates. I would have gotten ghosted. Dude, that that is definitely not the way to do it. And honestly, just to share a little of a insight on the back end too, like when I used to work in my last job, when I had a full-time job, one of my responsibilities was vetting some of the influencer or like some of the inquiries we get in the DMs of this account of the company I worked at. Mm-hmm. And just being on the other end of that, I can seriously tell you from experience, you don't treat a DM the same as you would treat an email. Like you look mm-hmm. through DMs and you look at what they're asking for. It, there's just so much noise on Instagram, as Paul mentioned. It's very easy for a brand just to glance for two seconds at your DM that you carefully cra- crafted and then just like throw it into the, you know, delete inbox, a delete box, mm-hmm. you know? So it's really vital that you do something to stand out, like Paul mentioned. So, you know, doing a voice memo or a video, those are great things. Ed, when you were in that position managing that brand's marketing, essentially, yeah. what was the first thing that you would do if you got a DM from a photographer, videographer that rolled into the DMs? Would you look at their Instagram profile? Oh, for sure. That's the first thing I would do. Um, but honestly, a lot of times, though, I'll actually read the first sentence or two of their... So I've seen so many emails, dude. I've I've been on the send, like the receiving end and I've <laughs> been on... Uh, the the end to like send out emails as well yeah. to brands. And I can tell you right off the bat, all it takes is to read the first two sentences to see if it's a template. I know if it's a template after the first two sentences. And if mm-hmm. if I got a templated DM or a templated email from a creator, I would immediately trash it. I don't care yeah. how talented they are because if they shotgunned <laughs> it to 10 other people, realistically, I'm, they're probably not that interested in working with us. They just yeah. want to make money. So... Um, making it not so templatey, which we'll go into a little bit later on the presentation topic. But yeah, I honestly think um, checking their account is crucial. But if you don't word it properly, mm-hmm. it'll also get scrapped and then they'll ghost you. 100%. I think one thing I want to point out in response to your question there, or my question to you is guys, you might be getting ghosted because you have a weak portfolio on your Instagram. So it's like, as a photographer, videographer, when we talk about resumes and like portfolio, it's your Instagram and then it's your website for the most part. Mm, Uh, True, So what do the photos look like on your website? Do they speak to the brand that you're DMing? And then also your positioning. But if I said that most photographers that reach out to me that say, hey, I keep getting ghosted, what do I do? I'm like, I looked at your Instagram, your positioning sucks. Hate to say Mm -hmm. it, but like your Instagram Mm -hmm. bio says you love soccer. It says that you're based out of a, you know, whatever city you're located in it has nothing about the value that you can offer to brands in that space. So it's like, how do you fine tune your, your portfolio? How do you fine tune your positioning or your messaging before reaching out to these brands that you want to work with? Mm-hmm. It's crucial. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. No, no, no brand wants to work with a creator with a whack feed, guys. We've talked about this. You don't want that <laughs> whack Instagram feed, all right? I ain't going to get you nowhere. <laughs> I'll be honest, uh, I got to just call it a horror story for when I rolled into the DMs once. <laughs> there was a year where I worked with 
probably went too many gyms. Um, this was pre-COVID, mm-hmm. obviously. And the template, let's just say I forgot to change the name of the decision Bro, maker for one gym. I've done this and before. I was reaching... <laughs> I was reaching out to a few different gyms in the same area, same city, Minneapolis. Oh, no. And I remember addressing a DM to the decision maker for the marketing department of one gym, and I accidentally sent it to their competitor gym. And the guy respo- the person responded saying, hey, thanks for the message. I think you meant to send this to the other gym. Oh, heck <laughs> no, dude. That, that's oh, awkward. Oh, man. And I'm like, yeah, you're totally right. And to be honest, like... I'm kind of embarrassed, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure. But hey, we're all guilty of it. I've used templates. I still sometimes use templates depending on what it's for. But for the most part, you know, you don't want to go that route. Because like Paul said, one, there's actually the chance of making the mistake like that where you forget to change a specific detail in the template. It's happened. I'm sure it's happened to a lot of people who are listening to the podcast right now Mm. before. Um, But yeah, so I think DMs, we went into it a little bit. Uh, of like how people are getting ghosted and why you might be getting ghosted in the DMs. But let's go mm-hmm. into pricing a bit because this is the whole, just to preface to me and Paul, we're talking off the mic. Everything we're talking about uh, in this episode today is to help you guys perfect the onboarding process. Like mm-hmm. DMs, calls, pitches, everything that, this is all included in an onboarding process because if you mm-hmm. can perfect your onboarding process, you should have no problems with getting clients, which then in turn means getting business and getting paid. So Mm -hmm. it's very crucial that you nail everything we talk about in this episode. And the next thing after DMs we want to talk about is pricing. So how can you uh, brush up on this front, Paul, if you want to not get ghosted? Yeah, I think that (laughs) a huge uh, issue that a lot of people in the freelance creative space run into when it comes to just coming in contact with a potential client, especially a potential client, is they get so excited and so caught up in like, you know, the butterflies that they say a price right away, right? And Mm -hmm. as a brand, as a a company, the brand's thinking, how are you going to tell us the price without understanding our needs and what we need? So I like to, I've said this many times, if you've been following me on Instagram, um, do not be the photographer, videographer that prescribes before you diagnose. And that's why I feel like all day you can, you know, throw out pricing, but the way that you're going to really wow a potential client is when you customize it to their needs and you're able to provide that solution to their problems, right? I think it's that simple. Um, It's not like the wedding industry where you can have the gold, the bronze, and the platinum package on your website. (laughs) I do think though, if you're working with entrepreneurs, I think there's one you know, there, there's a time where you can have the packages out. Uh, and it's if you're working with like portraits or, mm-hmm. you know, if you're shooting uh, mm-hmm. headshots for entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. I think that's fine. But you might be getting ghosted because you're saying pricing too early uh, in your onboarding process. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times early on a brand would ask me that they would actually prompt me, you know, they would say like, how much do you charge? And then I spit out a number and then crickets no response after that. Ghosted. So you might have got the initial reaction from them like, oh, this creator's work is good. The portfolio mm-hmm. checks out. Everything is good. They'll say, yeah, we would love to work with you. What are your rates? I mean, it's very common for a brand to ask that. Then you reveal it. Then they don't hit you back up. Either the rate was too high or the structure didn't make sense. You know, oftentimes mm-hmm. when a brand doesn't 
uh, respond to a rate that you sent them, it's not always because it was too expensive. Sometimes mm. it's just because it made no sense. Like, how did you come up with $5,000? And yeah. they don't have the patience, nor do they have the time to ask you, okay, how do you come up with 5K? What does that include? And they'll like go into all the details. So like yeah. Paul said, you have to first diagnose what they need so that you can properly give them a rate. I do mm -hmm. want to say though, on that note, if you're a photographer, videographer, like it's okay to have a day rate. Um, everything we're talking about right now is getting clients to work with you and you kind of walk them through the process of A through Z. Everything mm -hmm. from a discovery call all the way to like post-production. And then obviously you have to um, give a rate that's very specific to the brand. But let's say you get hit up by an agency who's like, hey, we just need someone to come shoot on set for like a day. It's okay to have a day rate then for things like that. You don't always have to charge differently for, for mm -hmm. those situations. But I think, well, Paul, maybe you, you can agree to this, but what we're talking about today is landing brands that can ultimately maybe lead to retainer work or mm -hmm. you're kind of more of a content partner for this yeah. brand, not, not like a one-off day rate type of gig. A hundred percent. I think too, it's like the pricing should come after you ask the right questions and figure out mm -hmm. what the project looks like. Uh, the project scope. Um, I think it's fine to have a starting at price, but you shouldn't bring that up at the first point of contact, you know, like the first time speaking with that brand. Um, unless you're super busy and you're capped and you don't have much capacity, go for it. Say, hey, my starting at price is this. Just want to give you a heads up. If that sounds good, we can hop on a call. That's fine. But I think what happens is, is there's fixed packages and fixed pricing that's going out in the DMs and over emails to clients that roll in your inbox and then also the worst is I've heard of I've done this before so that's why I know that some of you guys might be doing this but reaching out to brands that you feel like you can add value to that have never heard your name before and saying what your pricing is right off the bat that's a terrible thing to do and if anything you're going to get ghosted time and time again until you figure out how to bring in the right questions and make it an incredible customized experience before saying, hey, this is the price and I've justified it and all the things that I've shared with you already, it's much easier to do it that way than um, by just literally throwing a price out of nowhere to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can ask them for their budget, that's helpful. Um, but yeah, I just, I think that the reason why we're talking about this is because a lot of you need to just relax and sit back, ask the right questions, have a normal conversation, listen, do the discovery call and then talk about pricing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's honestly kind of a dance, you know, early on, especially when this is all of this, all the things we're talking about today is especially true if you're first starting out. You know, if you've built some rapport, you have a fire portfolio, you've worked with a lot of well-known brands, it is a lot easier to not get ghosted just because mm -hmm. you, you just have a portfolio that your work kind of speaks for itself. But yeah. I would you know, probably bet that a lot of people listening to this podcast are people who are trying to grow their business, maybe don't have all the work that they would like to have accomplished under their belt. So everything that we're talking about is so vital because it's all in your business skills. If you don't, because your portfolio may not be up to par yet. So then it's, mm -hmm. it's it has to be heavy on the business side. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, if you don't actually focus on these elements and you don't have a good portfolio, you mm. will struggle really hard to make it as a freelance creative. Um, so you need to have one or the other, you know, it, I've always kind of thought of it as a scale. When you're first starting out, you need, you may not have that much skill, but if you have a lot of business knowledge, you can succeed. Or mm -hmm. you're just super talented. You're like a one-off. You're just very talented and you have really low business knowledge, but you just are like 
so talented that people cannot avoid being in love with your work, then you could still succeed. But mm. if you have both, you're empty on both sides, like you're not super, super talented quite yet, and you have no business skills, yep. that's where you will struggle. So if you if you are listening to this right now and you feel like, oh, dang, that's me. Like I struggle with business and I feel like my portfolio isn't up there yet. Um, it's Keep listening to the that, podcast. <laughs> Keep listening to mid-combo because <laughs> they're dropping gems out here. Uh, but I feel like it's very vital because early on when I was first starting out a little bit about my own experience, it felt like such a dance in the beginning, you know, like one, I felt like one little word that I said wrong, the client would like disappear or mm-hmm. one little portfolio, the one thing in the email that I didn't word properly. And I'm like, wow, maybe I should have said this. Maybe I should have said that you get very in your own head. And so if you just understand the fun- fundamentals, it'll be so much better. That's so good. I think, Ed, you just brought up something that I want to point out. If you get ghosted, what if I told you that might be a blessing in disguise? It might just not be a good fit, right? Mm. If you do all the things and it's working for some clients, but you run into clients where you're like, they're not responding. Well, guess what? You probably, you know, listen, you got to follow your gut feeling. And also you need to know that there's always going to be business that comes and goes. Um, And it might be a blessing in disguise that you just dodged a bullet for a potential business relationship that just wasn't going to be it, that was going to have pricing tension throughout the entire relationship. So I often get ghosted sometimes by people because um, I want to hop on a Zoom call and they're like, oh, we don't have time for a Zoom call. Well, I'm like, that's totally fine. We're probably not a good fit for each other because I want to understand, I want to better understand the strategy behind the content before we just start shooting, right? Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm stick to your guns and make sure that um, you're not getting discouraged if you're getting ghosted time and time again, but you need to make sure that you're following these things that we're talking about in this conversation because they are crucial in making sure that you don't get ghosted. Yeah. Let's go into the third thing now. So we went over DMs, um, how to do that properly and just what to avoid. We talked about pricing and what can happen if you reveal your pricing too early and just overall, just the pricing and the importance of it. Let's go into presentation. I feel like mm. this is where a lot of people struggle and why they get ghosted as well. So what is your what has been your experience, Paul, with like pre- present presentation and mm. how you um, pitch to brands so that they still are interested even after the initial contact? Yeah. Well, first thing that comes to mind is you got to put your best foot forward. First impressions are everything. And then also I think a lot of photographers and videographers out there trying to get new business are trying to just make quick transactions. And guess what? Yep. Everybody's yearning for long-term relationships. If you're trying to make a quick buck, yeah, you should probably do senior photos. Hate to say it, but like you're working with brands and like if you're trying to um, build your brand as a commercial photographer, videographer, the power of presentation is everything. Um, mm-hmm. And I, when me and Ed connected for the first time, a little over a year ago, one thing that I feel like I was really uh, blown away by with your brand, Ed, is looking at your Instagram feed. I'm like, it's so cohesive. The presentation's there. But then as we talked about what your proposals and your decks look like on the back end, they're dialed. <laughs> like everything is so clean and consistent that I know for a fact that brands will hire you sometimes because they're like, this guy's presentation for his own brand is strong. We, we're confident that he's going to be able to bring that for our company. So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't think there's ever been a brand or a decision maker that said, hey, we're not going to work with that guy because his presentation's too good. 
Mm, that's true. That's true. Honestly, well, first off, thank you. Thank you for the gas. I got Paul. you, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Paul, I think me and Paul, it's funny because uh quick side note, we love obviously creative business talk and shooting content, but low-key, me and Paul, we'd be geeking out about some design sometimes. I feel like in oh. a different life, me and Paul would be like graphic, graphic designers. designers or like we're super geeky about like typography and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I think early on in my career as well, uh, as Paul mentioned, I focused a lot on the pitch decks and the presentation because as I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, I didn't have the skill sets yet. Like I wasn't shooting on a cinema camera yet. I didn't, I knew my, my content wasn't at the quality of some of the people around me and what they were charging. So I tried to make up for it by having clean pitch decks you know, clean typography. Those are the things that some of the brands I know are focused on that mm -hmm. I could have delivered um, on that front. And I, I feel like sometimes it gave me a little bit of an edge versus a creator who's reaching out with a good video, but then the presentation is just absolute garbage, right? Like mm. no good, no good email structure, no good email etiquette, no clean typography. They don't have, they don't even have a logo. It's just like an Instagram portfolio. portfolio. All these things make up a good presentation. Um, mm -hmm. Because put yourself in, in the shoes of the brand, right? Like imagine someone approaching you talking about how to brand your product, but then they don't even know how to brand their own business. Come on. That's <laughs> it's good. like, come on, how, how, how are they going to help you? So mm -hmm. yeah, presentation is huge. And um, I wanted to revisit this from earlier, but the presentation also goes in with the template, right? Like it's okay to have templates. Um, with pitch decks and email, even like the copy that you use in your email can have somewhat of a template. But it's vital that you include at least one or two things that are very unique and super specific to that brand. Paul, mm -hmm. I feel like you you do this often, right? Like mm -hmm. when you reach out to a brand, like do you do you what do you dissect from their own what they're currently doing to inject into your pitch or into your presentation to be like, oh wow, Paul actually yeah. looked at our business before he reached out. Oh, there's a list of things. Colors, yeah. who's their uh, target consumer? Shout out to my ads people, consumer profiles. Hey. hey. Um, I look at like who they're trying to speak to. Is there a product that they're trying to push that's like a top seller? Um, literally all the things like how do they even, uh, what does their website look like? How do they lay out their website? Because then mm -hmm. when I bring it into my um, proposal or even my production guides, come on, um, I make sure that it looks extremely clean and also they open it and they're like this looks like something that we would create in-house like our design team Ooh, would create. yeah and ed i mm -hmm. think it comes from me and you rubbing shoulders over the years with graphic designers or people mm -hmm. that are in the space that are really into like you know typography but also motion graphics mm -hmm. um and i, I want to ask you quick ed when we talk about presentation what are some of the ways that you present yourself whether it's the collateral um or whatever you're sending them in emails. I think some people might be like, all right, what does Ed do and what does Paul do? Do you wanna to touch on for a second what you do? Yeah, so are you talking about like the initial touch base or just like I'm the just whole, talking in, in general? general? In general. Yeah. yeah, is there any templates that you have? Um, you know, do you have a proposal template? Do you have a production guide? Is there like a go-to thing that you bring into your process that's maybe like customized that just goes yeah. to show like the full, you know, mm -hmm. the full picture? I think for me, it's very dependent on how much budget I think this client is going to be. Maybe we both can relate to this, but like if it's a, it's a quick day shoot, that's like 
you know, doesn't require that much explanation, I usually won't put together a proposal just because I feel mm. like it's not necessary. But if I feel like the project is going to be in the five figures or, you know, between like 10 or $30,000, then I Sheesh. will put together a proposal because um, I want to land the client, obviously. And if they are putting a lot of money up and they've revealed that budget number to me, I got to have some skin in the game and put in some some work on the front end before they actually sign off on their proposal. So um, yeah, I do have some templates that I use for proposals that I will customize as Paul mentioned, like the color. I'll look up what colors the brand has and I'll put that in the color uh, into the presentation or pitch deck because you know if the brand is generally monochromatic with lots of blacks, grays and whites, you don't want to send a proposal that you've sent previously that's like baby blue and pink and white like just because it fits your brand doesn't mean it's going to fit their brand so you want to make sure yeah. you fit the proposal to their brand um, and then i think once i get past that point one thing that i do do on the presentation front that i think is not necessarily unique but works really well is i'll create a specific notion page Ooh. for the project so it's a notion awesome. page that i create that has like it's interactive right so it's not like a pdf you actually, I build out the page in Notion, send them the link and they can, it's a drop down toggle menu. So they can see project deliverables, project timeline, project budget. And I'll also update this uh, basically Notion page uh, as the project goes on. So if I find locations or if I find potential talent, I'll let the client know in an email, be like, hey, I just updated the Notion page with potential talents. Can you go in and make your selects? Nice. These are the kind of things that I feel like make the presentation so much better for a client instead of having an email thread with 50 emails going back and forth with like JPEGs and PDFs and whatnot. So yeah, um, it's like everything I ask my, every time I put together presentations for clients, whether that's no matter where it is in the production pipeline, I always ask, how can I make this uh, process? How can I make this experience for the client memorable how can i make mm. it more immersive because mm -hmm. if they if it's memorable they're going to want to come back if it's just mm -hmm. some basic thing like a pdf like here, here you go a lot of people do that already right mm -hmm. they're not going to remember me because they've probably worked with a ton of other creators before in the past so mm -hmm. yeah that's a little speed awesome. round of a, a few things that i do what do you do on i know your pitch decks are fire as well i've seen some of paul's pitch decks they're fun and they're freaking nice, dude. But what are some things you do specifically on them or outside of just the pitch decks? Yeah, I kind of want to break it down like you did where it's like you have the one-offs that are kind of like a quick half day or day rate. And then I have mm -hmm. shoots that are maybe a little bit more bigger where there's more people involved. Um, but I think just in general, like if you lack presentation, you're going to get ghosted because mm. there's a lot of photographers and videographers out there and agencies that are competing for work. And because of how visual our world is now with digital media, um, decision makers love it when there's creative ways of getting in contact with them. It's super awesome. And I can't tell you like, I, can, I mean, I can tell you right now that some of my friends that are brand directors and brand managers at companies, um, they go after the resumes or portfolios or the emails or the DMs that have that creative touch to it. And for me, it starts with the front end uh, like I said earlier, like a customized uh, DM, if I'm reaching out to them. Um, I've sent literally emails before with the subject line. I shot a video for you. The brand opens up the email and I literally will add a screenshot of a video that they can click on. It's unlisted on YouTube or Vimeo. 
and they can watch it. I'm speaking to them. Sheesh, um, that's fire, that's fire. So everything on the front end is customized. And then once I do the discovery call and if I have to send a proposal to them, and I typically will send a proposal if the scope and the overall shoot uh, needs a little bit more thought into figuring out what the budget is. Um, so those are typically like the bigger budget projects with more people involved. Um, and those proposals are customized, but I use the same keynote template every time, super streamlined. Uh, mm -hmm. And then my production guide, um, depending on how big the shoot is, the talent, uh, the hair and makeup, uh, assistant producers, if I have a photography assistant, if there's gonna be a lighting guy, sound guy, whatever, everyone's getting the production guide. And there's different versions depending on mm -hmm. you know, the people that are involved. Like hair and makeup doesn't need to know the stuff that, you know, like they don't need to know all the details. Yeah, for sure, um, for sure. But I don't know, I just think over time it's gotten better and better. And there's websites out there now where you can purchase templates. Like, yep. I just wanna shout out one and I'm not even sponsored by them. Uh, Studio Standard does a really good job with these like super clean and minimal uh, presentations and they mm -hmm. work with Canva and InDesign. So check that out. Yeah. But maybe me and Ed will like do a post um, around the time that we launched this episode, uh, just showing you guys maybe some of our proposal or production guide stuff yep. and just how yep. we keep it super simple, super clean and right to the point. And when we send it off to those clients, we're typically sending it in an email, um, keeping it short and sweet, attaches mm -hmm. the PDF, check it out. And it makes a difference. Really yeah, does. No, no lengthy emails. That's one thing. Hey, no one likes suck. emails. No one so likes get creative, emails, get creative with the, um, the subject lines. And also, I always think of this analogy where if you're going to a birthday party and you're like, yo, I'm going to stop by Target real quick. I'm going to pick them up something, right? You have the person that's going to show up with the, with the gift without it being in, uh, you know, a, a birth, like a, a bag, right? Mm -hmm, with like tissue mm -hmm. paper with no birthday mm -hmm. card. It's literally going to be the receipt and the product in their hand. And they'd be like, yo, bro, happy birthday. Then you're going to have the person that goes above and beyond and is like, no, we're going to wrap this thing up nice. We're going to put a bow on top. We're going to do the card and we're going to fill out the card so it doesn't just have like the Hallmark uh, copy. It's going to be personalized. <laughs> that person's going to win every time because it's more memorable, right? So I think my encouragement to anyone that's like been getting ghosted and lacks presentation, even look at your website, look at your whole business and your whole process with onboarding uh, and just working with clients and spend more time on that because I guarantee mm -hmm. you that by tweaking that, uh, you're gonna find that these clients are gonna refer you to more business, you're gonna get better testimonials and you're gonna be able to turn these clients into repeat long-term par content partners of yours. Um, so yeah, I'll go mm -hmm. off about presentation all day and I do think that it has helped Ed that, like I said earlier, We've rubbed shoulders with graphic designers and me and you are just super interested in mm -hmm. uh, everything design. But um, mm -hmm. I think those three things that we touched on today all contribute to what we talked about off the mic and it's yeah. having a solid process, right? Mm -hmm. I think, well, you need to have the, all the things we talked about today help with the onboarding process, like Paul just mentioned, and you need to have it um, like the DMs, right? DMs, pricing, presentation. Those are like the three kind of categories that Paul and I wanted to discuss today on this episode. 
Um, I just wanted to mention something real quick from what Paul was talking about before about his production guides and just overall his his flow for presentations because sometimes it's not always from you to brand. You know, having a good presentation makes a good impression on other creators that you also work with, which in mm -hmm. turn could lead to you being brought on for a project or them referring you to a different brand that maybe they just can't take on or it's out of scope for them. Because I remember yeah. when I when Paul brought me on for a shoot, uh, I think it was like earlier this year or hey. uh, a while back, yep. he handed me one of these production guides that he's talking about on this podcast. And I was like, hey, yo, like this is, this is sick because it's not something that's, we all have been to shoots where you show up <laughs> you got no direction from the director. You got no direction from the brand. And you're like, have your camera and you're holding it. You're in the middle of the talent. And they're like, all right, start. And you're like, dude, I don't even know what I'm shooting yet today. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe that's just me. I don't know. I feel like everyone can relate to that. <laughs> that's relatable. But <laughs> if you can make sure that that doesn't happen with your presentation, like or production guides or things that can help make the process smoother. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, make the process more immersive or make the client or the people you're working with feel like it was a memorable experience yep that's what will bring them around time and time again or that's what will turn them into a retainer client um mm -hmm. it's so funny that you mentioned that the brand guide it's something that has to be made where even they're like oh this is something that uh we would make in-house i yeah. just was thinking like how awkward is it when you create a pitch guy pitch like that's so fire <laughs> that they, like the CEO or founder is looking at their in-house graphic designer like, yo, you need to up your game. Totally. Uh, a creative <laughs> just sent us a pitch deck that's better than our own brand guide. That's an awkward conversation <laughs> to have in a stand-up on a Monday meeting. <laughs> I would hate to be on that design team or even the social media manager when that thing comes through. Because, um, I mean, also like PowerPoint's great because that's like good yeah. for collaborative projects with, you know, I've, I've been mm -hmm. I've been a part of projects before where like me and Ed are on it. We'll do PowerPoint. We'll get it to a point where we just need to polish it up, and then we'll mm -hmm. like, you know, reformat it. But yeah, yeah, I think overall you got to have an onboarding process. I wouldn't say it needs to be rinse and repeat, but look at your business in a way where it's like if you brought on team members or you brought on people to like scale your business um, three years from now, how can you develop like a pretty streamlined process now? keeping in mind all the things we talked about from the DM to talking about pricing to the way you present yourself, where you could almost teach those SOPs to them or, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. standard operating procedures. So then from there you can scale. I think that's valuable. And I don't think it's something you need to figure out overnight, but also get your reps in and just know that the only way you're going to stand out is if you go the extra mile, otherwise you're going to get ghosted. Ooh, mic drop moment right and there. I, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> no, for real though. Uh, we should probably wrap up this episode now. I think we covered a, a good amount of uh, information that people can brew on. But yeah, we just we just don't like seeing you guys get ghosted, me and Paul. We yeah. actually, we try to help creatives, as you guys know, on this podcast. And we want to help you guys make money. We want to help you guys land these gigs. And getting ghosted is something that happens to everyone. It's happened to Paul. It's happened to me. And so mm -hmm. hopefully you guys found some value in this episode. Um, yeah, this is where we do the outro. Yo, and if you've been following or listening to the Mid Convo podcast for quite some time, we just ask that you would give us a five star, even a review, or shoot us a message on Instagram in the DMs and tell us, you know, what you thought about this episode. If you want to go the extra mile, 
Shoot us a personalized little voice memo or a personalized hey. video. And I'll make sure that myself or Ed uh, respond uh, to your DMs. But yeah, thanks for following and continue to uh, give us those five stars because we're trying to get to the top. Shout out to Ed for uh, coming back from London with the fire. Let's get it. Let's go. Peace.